Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode, I will be doing my Week 12 recap, covering all the injuries, of course, my Player of the Week. Also, we'll talk Draymond. He's spoken after his suspension on this podcast. We'll talk about that. Darko Rachagovich. He goes nuts. The Toronto coach. We'll talk about that. Contract extensions for Kawhi and Eric Spolstra. Also talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Also, Chicago Bulls had a rings of honor ceremony. We'll talk about that as well. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, it's your boy GD back with the All Things Basketball with GD podcast. And I'll be covering week 12 recap. A lot went on last week, actually. So it's a lot of news to cover. So let us not delay and let us get right into it then. Of course, we start every recap with the player of the week. In the West, Laurie Markkinen. That's a name we haven't spoke too much of, of the Utah Jazz. But he had a sensational week, guys. His team went 4-0. They had three home games, one road game. The only road game was against the Milwaukee Bucks. They beat them. Then they had three straight at home, beat Toronto, the Lakers, and the Warriors. So a pretty good week there. Laurie Markkinen, this is what he did for the week. 24 and a half points per game, 11 rebounds, and nearly three assists. Also, he shot it from the field, 47.2%, which, yeah, you'll take that. He also shot it over 48% from three-point range. You love that. And of his 36 free throws for the week, he only missed three, guys. So, Laurie Markkinen. Playing all-star caliber basketball as he's been prone to do now that he's in Utah. So, Laurie Markkinen getting things done for his Utah Jazz. And then for the East, Bam out of Bayou. I've been talking about him, guys. For the Miami Heat, they went 3-1 for the week. All their games were at home, by the way, guys. They beat Houston, Orlando, Charlotte, but they did lose to OKC. Seemed like everybody's losing to OKC these days. So that was their loss for the week. But Bam, this is what he did for the week, guys. 23 points, 11 rebounds, and almost 6 assists per game, guys. With a block to boot per game as well. Shot it from the field 56.4%. And of his 28 free throws, he missed 6 of those. So you'll definitely take that as well. But Bam out of Bayou, playing well. Playing all-star caliber basketball, guys. So, that is your player of the week, guys. Let us now turn our attention to some injury news, guys. Ja Morant, out for the season, guys. He had that shoulder tear that he's been dealing with. But now, the Memphis Grizzlies said, you know what? Let's shut him down for the season. Let him get that shoulder situated, and then we'll just run it back next season. So, Ja Morant. Now, remember, guys, he had the 25-game suspension. He returned to the lineup, played in nine games. 
He averaged over 25 points per game, over 8 assists, 5.6 rebounds. He shot it over 47% from the field. Not great from three-point range, guys. In fact, he was subpar, 27.5%, 81.3% from the free throw line. And in his brief time, guys, he did manage to win a player of the week, and he did that in week nine. It was in the January 5th game at the Lakers where he suffered that shoulder injury, guys, in that 127 to 113 win over the Lakers. So, Job Moran out for the season, and he had the surgery. It was successful. So, we look forward to seeing Jaw at the beginning of next season, guys. But, you know something? This probably takes him out of the running for playing on the Olympic team. I would think it would, if I had to guess. But, you know something? He needs to just recoup, recharge, and get his mind right for the following season. So this can be valuable time for Ja to kind of put things in perspective, especially with this season kind of going off the rails. So we wish you a speedy recovery and that all goes well with your shoulder and that we get to see you next season balling and doing what you do best. So all the best to you, Ja, as you recover. Moving on to... More Memphis Grizzly news. It seemed like it's been a nightmare season for the Grizzlies, guys. Desmond Bain, who has been playing so well. In fact, he was playing all-star caliber basketball. He's going to be out six weeks. He has a grade three ankle sprain, guys. That he suffered on January 12th in a loss to the Los Angeles Clippers, 128-119. to And that happened in the third quarter, guys, when he was going to the basket. That's when he suffered this ankle sprain. So Desmond Bain, that's a huge blow to that team, guys. As well as he was playing, that's a huge, huge blow. It looks like we probably won't see him until after the All-Star break at the very least. I would think probably after the All-Star break, you'll see Desmond Bain again. But then again, what will this team look like coming out of that all-star break? We'll see what's what with the Grizzlies. And more bad news for the Grizzlies. Marcus Smart out four to six weeks. He dislocated his finger January 9th in a win versus the Dallas Mavericks. And that was at Dallas, by the way. 120-103. to And that happened in the third quarter with about 7.38 left in that quarter. So Marcus Smart, add him to the list, guys, of guys among the walking wounded for the Memphis Grizzlies, guys. Again, this is a season not for the ages for the Memphis Grizzlies. So that's the injury news for that team. Tyrese Holliburton, who just had the Player of the Week honors a couple of weeks ago. He's out two weeks, guys. He has a grade one hamstring. That he suffered in a January 8th win versus the Boston Celtics in a tight one, 133-131. to And he suffered that in the second quarter, guys. So the guys had to pick it up and continue on for the win for the Indiana Pacers. But a huge blow to the Pacers, guys. They were playing so well. And to have your main cog 
the engine that makes that machine go sideline for two weeks. So we'll see what happens. They do have a guy like TJ McConnell who can run the point guard position. We'll see what happens with the Pacers as they manage life without Tyrese, at least for a couple of weeks. Moving on to other injury news, Jacob Poulter for the Toronto Raptors. He's out indefinitely, guys. Ankle sprain. There hasn't been a definitive timeline. That's a big blow to that team because now you're still trying to work in new pieces like R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly, and now you're missing your starting center. That's going to hurt you a bit. But, you know, Toronto, they got guys in reserve who can play the five. So they should be okay. But this is a guy who can pull you a double-double at any moment. So definitely a big loss for them. And then the last bit of injury news I'll talk about that's of significance. Chris Paul. Remember I told you that he injured his hand? Well, they declared that he'll be out four to six weeks. So Chris Paul on the shelf, probably until maybe before the All-Star game or a little bit after. It all depends on the healing process for him. And that happened again in the 113-107 win over the Detroit Pistons. And it happened in the third quarter, about 6.08 to go in that quarter. Major blow, he was starting to get the feel of his teammates and so forth. For this to happen, not good, guys. So that is your injury news in that regard, guys. Now, speaking of the Gold State Warriors, let's talk about Draymond Green, your buddy and mine. Draymond Green, I said in the last episode, he has been reinstated. It turns out to be a 12-game suspension. Also, he has to get ramped up in terms of games and so forth. But that didn't stop Draymond from going on his self-named podcast and talking about his suspension. So he talked about that. He talked about his time away. He talked about Stephen A. Smith's comments about Steph's leadership and how he called it into question. And he, he had his say in that regard, so much so that Stephen A. had to reply and again try and clean it up that he wasn't questioning his leadership. He was just saying if LeBron was held to that kind of standard, so should Steph be and so on and so forth. And, you know, Stephen A. had to go into a, a CMA mode. So, you know how that goes. But Draymond did issue an apology to Steph Curry for even putting him in that situation, which I thought was pretty admirable of him to do so, to have the self-awareness that my antics now has put Steph in the minds of some in terms of his role in the leadership over there. So he did have the mind to apologize to him. He also said, this is the one that got me, guys. That he contemplated retiring. That he was going to walk away from the game, quote, supposedly. But Adam Silver had to talk him out of doing so. Which, <laughs> social media is something else, guys. When, of course, that clip went viral. And a lot of people had to say, I heard L. Duncan talk about it. <laughs> she said, uh, for you to just walk away because you can't control yourself. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. 
And a lot of people had come to that realization that the reason you're walking away because you can't control your behavior and so forth. You got to lay hands on people and whatnot. Here's what I'll say. I don't believe for one second. I believe maybe the thought came in his mind, but there were 75 million reasons why he wouldn't do it. And that's the money left on his contract. So, Draymond, I hear you, but I can't buy that. You, you're not going to leave $75 million on the table. And the fact that Adam Silver had to talk you out of doing so. I'm sure that sounds nice and everything, but you had $75 million reasons not to retire. So, I'll take that with a grain of salt. Let me just put it that way. And then, you talked about your need for change behavior you know he's talking different that much is for sure he is talking much different than he did prior to the suspension so it seems like it seems as if he wants to be more accountable for his actions i'll just say that and he did talk to steve kerr and so forth and steve kerr had his say and pretty much said he knows this is it for him. You know, he's walking a fine line. So he knows he has to walk a straight and narrow from here on in. That is what we heard from Draymond coming out of his suspension. So, listen. If he's able to do the things, employ the things that he learned in counseling. From the joint meetings he had with the organization itself. With the league and with the players union. Then... Perhaps we'll get a different Draymond coming out of this. I mean, I think he could still have the fire and the desire. He just got to learn how to not get provoked into doing these things. Like I always say, I prefer to talk about his basketball prowess than these antics. So Draymond, we'll see if all of this has helped you in one way or, or another. I would like to gather that it has. I will give you a benefit of the doubt in that regard. Of course, the best apology is changed behavior. So the ball's in your court, so to speak, Draymond, when it comes to that. Kevin Durant. <laughs> oh, this guy. Now, he retracted what he said previously about Draymond. Remember, they talked to him right after the Joseph Nurkic incident. He basically said, you know, I've never seen him like this. He needs help and so on and so forth. He has retracted that, and I actually have here exactly what he said in that regard. He didn't mean any ill will towards Draymond in terms of his comments. Here's what he said. I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he can move past that. Draymond is an incredible teammate. He got his times where he loses temper, but everybody has those times. I'm sure they're all happy to have him back. Now, this is the kicker right here. I know some people look at me as this malicious snake, passive aggressive. I know how people feel about me. When I say bleep, I don't mean no harm about nobody. I don't mean to disrespect him or his family if he felt that way. I'm just glad he's back on the court. The reason he did this is because Draymond kind of mentioned him in his podcast. It was more of people's perception of him. And then he mentioned Kevin Durant. So Kevin Durant, he goes into CMA mode and kind of covers himself in that regard. 
Did he need to do that? I don't think he needed to. He was out there defending his teammate against someone who happened to be his old teammate. I don't think he should have had to go there, but Kevin Durant, you know how he is. He's got rabbit ears. He's sensitive. He picks up everything and so on and so forth. So am I surprised that he would do a mea culpa? I'm not because that's how he moves. He moves how the social media needle moves. That's Kevin Durant. He's just sensitive to what everyone says and so forth. You know, he's got a bunch of burner accounts, but that's a story for another day. Anyhow, so that is the Kevin Durant angle. And then one more thing about the Draymond stuff, and then we'll leave it alone. Shaquille O'Neal, he went on a podcast, and he called Joseph Nurkic soft for him possibly wanting to press charges against Draymond, which turned out to be false, by the way. So Shaq, you kind of jumped the gun there thinking that this guy is going to press charges, you kind of got to do your homework with that, Shaq. So uh, I got to charge you with that one. The man wasn't thinking about doing that. He clarified so he's not having jailed for what he did. So with that said, that's it on the Draymond stuff. Again, let us focus on the basketball part of his game and his team, which is kind of teetering right now, so they need all the help they can get, so we'll see what happens. Toronto coach Darko Rajagovic, he goes ballistic, guys, after a loss to the Lakers on the road, 132-131. And in that game, what really got him is the free throw disparity. The Lakers went to the line 36 times, Toronto for the game, 13 times guys and in the crucial fourth quarter the ratio was even more ridiculous 23 to 2 and this caused him to go on a tirade I haven't heard a tirade this good in a while but he was basically saying if you guys want the Lakers to win just let me know my team won't show up and you know that sort of things he was speaking out of frustration and rightfully so but you know, with that sort of talk, that catches the attention of the league and the league office. So what do they do? They fine him $25,000 for those comments he made. Listen, guys, anytime you try and disparage the league, especially against the refs, the league's going to come down on you. And especially if you give the sign that games are sort of fixed or, you know, there's a outcome that's wanted that the refs can control through making foul calls and so forth. If you give any kind of impression like that, the league is going to come down heavy on you. And I feel bad for the coach because he, uh, he goes on the road. He has this team now. Like I said, he's still trying to work in R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. He lost his starting center to an injury, so he's trying to shuffle in, get right lineups in there and so forth. So to have an element of the game that he kind of can't control out of his control with the foul calls, that had to send him over the edge. So, you know, I feel bad for him in that regard. But I circle back to what I've been talking about all season long, the refereeing guys. 
it has been subpar to say the least. And this is just another example, guys. Each week I could give you an example of where the refereeing is bad and they have to go to the two-minute rule and they tell you this, they tell you that. Oh, this call was warranted, this and that. Oh, we shouldn't have called it. But the refereeing has been bad, guys. It's been bad. I think the league has to do something about it because all in all, it's been bad. I'll just leave it there. Darko gets fined for his post-game tirade after the Laker loss for the Toronto Raptors. All right, so that is done. Let us move on to some people with a contract extension making big money now. Kawhi Leonard of the Los Angeles Clippers. He has been extended three years at $153 million. So Kawhi, you know, he could have opted out come the end of the season. He won't be doing so thanks to this contract now. Were the Clippers bidding against themselves? Probably so. I was just talking to my boy D about this. Probably so. They were bidding against themselves. So, But here's the thing. They have that new arena now. The Intuit Dome that's coming next season. So you got to have a decent product out there to present to the people in that new arena. So you have that. Also, that arena will be hosting the 2006 All-Star Game. So you got to have the star power there. Kawhi Leonard is that. This season, he has been pretty much available for the most part. He may have missed games here and there, but for the most part, he has been available. So you have to give him credit there. Was his availability this year a byproduct of him wanting the contract extension? I'll leave that to debate. I'm sure there's a lot of people who say, oh, yes, he's available now because that contract is coming up. You could go one way or the other about it. But in any event, they signed him on the dotted line. Now the next two pieces of the puzzle, Paul George and James Harden. What becomes of those guys in their contract extensions? We'll see what happens with those guys. My guess is that at least two of the three, if not all three, will get extensions when all is said and done. How much those dollars will be, that remains to be seen. But the Clippers, I talked about them before. They're playing well. So for Steve Ballmer, this is probably money well spent in his mind. So let's see if he's right. And then we have coaching contract extension. Eric Spolstra, he gets a contract extension. Eight years at $120 million, guys. That's the most guaranteed money for a head coach. And kudos to Eric Spolstra because he's a guy who deserves every bit of that money. He's a guy who takes lemons and he makes lemonade. He takes guys who are undrafted. And he makes them into bona fide role players, if not solid contributors to his team. He has his team pretty much in contention just about every year. I have no qualms with this contract here. It's money well deserved. And the slick part of this, guys, is management waited until Eric Spolstra's divorce. Because he divorced his ex-wife, Nikki Sapp. So management waited until that divorce settlement got final, and then they gave him the contract extension, which, 
you gotta give him them credit for at least hanging in there and allowing him to get this big contract here that she probably can't touch because it's after the fact. So Eric Spolstra getting well-deserved money. Now the question remains now. We turn to Golden State yet again. Steve Kerr. He has one year left on his deal from what I understand. And it'll be very, very interesting to see what the ownership over at Golden State, what they do in terms of Steve Kerr. That's a story we could talk about another day, guys. So that is your money news there, your contract extensions. Let us talk OKC, guys. I've been singing their praises so far. And last week against Portland on a Thursday night, January 11th, they go and smoke the Portland Trailblazers. 139-77. to Beating them by 62 points. And oh, by the way, they went into the fourth quarter leading by 62 points. That's the largest margin going into a fourth quarter in NBA history. Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, they are they're having a great season, guys. At this moment in time, you, you got to say that. And that margin was the fifth largest ever. And it was tied with two other teams that did so. The Syracuse Nationals. They did it against my Knicks, 162-100. And that happened on Christmas Day, actually, in 1960. And then the second time it happened, it was the Golden State Warriors being the Sacramento Kings. 153 to 91 and that happened November 2nd 1991 I'll give you the top four in terms of biggest blowouts the Memphis Grizzlies beating the Oklahoma City Thunder so go figure they're on the wrong side of history here when they lost to Memphis 152 to 79 and that was a 70 three-point loss and that happened December 12 2021 so about two or three years ago they were on the receiving end now they're on the giving end so that's the worst one ever coming in second the Cleveland Cavaliers beating the Miami Heat this is around the time they were expansion team and so forth so the Cleveland Cavaliers beat them 148 to 80 and that was a 68-point loss. That happened December 17th, 1991. And then you have the Indiana Pacers, their third, beating the Portland Trailblazers, 124-59. to And that was in February 27, 1998. So this actually, this loss that Portland had is the second largest with this Indiana one being before it. And then in fourth place, the LA Lakers beating the Golden State Warriors, 162 to 99, beating them by 63 points. And that happened March 19th, 1972. So that is that bit of news. Let us move on. The Rhinosaurs, both Jerry and his son, Michael, held a Ring of Honor ceremony for the Chicago Bulls. And they did it during a January 12th game 
a loss actually to the Golden State Warriors, 140 to 131. And they did that with Steve Kerr in attendance so that he can take part in the festivities there. So they had this ring of honor ceremony, right? They honored players like Artis Gilmore, Johnny Red Kerr, who was a player and then became an announcer for them. Their first owner, the one responsible for bringing the Chicago franchise to that city, and that's Dick Klein. Also Bob Love, known as Butterbean. Jerry Sloan, the defensive-minded guard for the early 70s Chicago Bulls, him along with Norman Van Leer. Chet Walker, another Chicago Bulls stalwart from back in those days. Tex Winter, the assistant to Phil, who was the mastermind behind the triangle offense. Phil Jackson himself, of course. Tony Kukoc, the international player who came over and was a part of that second dynasty there for the Bulls. Dennis Rodman, also part of that second dynasty there. Oh, by the way, he was a no-show for the event. Scottie Pippen. Also a no-show for the event. And Michael Jordan, who was there via video. He had a video he made thanking everyone and so on and so forth. So he was there in spirit, pretty much. But I want to talk about Jerry Krause, guys. The GM of those championship teams, all the six championships. Jerry Krause, the man behind making the moves. He was honored posthumously. But he was booed by the Chicago fans during the ceremony. And mind you, his wife Thelma was there in his place to receive the honor. But the Chicago Bulls fans rained down boos. And you could see she was visibly shook by what she was receiving. You could hear the smattering of cheers. It was like, wait a second. What kind of booing and this lady who has nothing to do with all this is there in his place. So you can hear it kind of turn back to cheering. But the booze was just so loud and vociferous that it really got to her. So much so that several people had comments to make about it. And I will tell you about them. Let us start with Steve Kerr who was there for the event taking part of it because they also gave honor to the 1995-96 Chicago Bulls team, the great team that went 72-10. and 10. Here's Steve Kerr. It's shameful. It's absolutely shameful. I'm devastated for Thelma and for the Krause family. What could we possibly be thinking? That's his statement there. DeMar DeRozan, who plays for the Chicago Bulls, it just sucks their family had to endure something like that. You can never take away what he created. Without Jerry, there wouldn't be the historic Chicago Bulls history. You gotta give him credit for as long as basketball is around. Joakim Noah, former Chicago Bull. Bulls fans, let's do better than this. These legends all deserve our respect for how many happy moments they created for all of us. Respect to the Krause family. Dick Vitale, who was obviously watching as well. Shame on those fans who showed no class in booing the announcement of Jerry Krause as a member of the Ring of Honor. Showed no heart 
with his wife Thalma sitting there visibly upset. Totally embarrassing. Eddie Johnson, who's part of the Sirius XM NBA Today broadcast, he said this. The people who booed are lowlifes and sad people. A total joke. That man built the team and hired Phil, you stoops. You deserve to get beat and sent home. So, of course, Eddie Johnson giving his colorful spin to it. And I wanted to save Stacy King's comments because I, I think it's of note. Here's Stacy King, who, by the way, he does color commentary for the Chicago Bulls. The people that booed Jerry Krause and his widow, who was accepting this honor for him, it's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. She was still hurt by it afterwards when she went back to her suite, and I was told she was so upset she was still shaking. I talked to her after the game, and she was still bothered by it. I don't care what anyone says. Jerry Krause nor his family deserved that BS tonight. Love him or hate him, but put some respect on his name. Jerry Krause put two totally different teams together and brought six NBA championships to the city of Chicago. Remember, there's 10 teams that haven't won a single one, and we have six. So that's his statement. But he actually said during the game, and I was able to listen to it, he said all these things pretty much, but he also said, this is not New York or Philadelphia. Chicago, you're better than this. Here's where I got to push back on Stacey King. I get it. You know, I understand he's defending Jerry Krause's widow who's there standing in his place. You know, I totally understand that. I'm on his side when it comes to that. But why you have to drag New York into it? Philadelphia, I understand. They boo Santa Claus for crying out loud. They cheer when people get injuries on the field, so on and so forth. So, Philadelphia, I understand. I get that. But New York? What has New York done that warrant you including them in that mix? I understand. I get it. They were your blood rivals. The New York Knicks were your blood rivals when you played for the Chicago Bulls. I get that. I understand that. But never in that time you saw the Knicks fans cheering a Chicago Bull if he got injured at Madison Square Garden. You never heard that. Of course, you heard some disparaging things as far as them rooting against you. That's a whole nother thing. But we never stooped that low. So I understand what you're saying, but to lump New York in there with Philadelphia, Philadelphia is a whole different animal right there. I thought that was a bit out of line. Apart from that, I'm with you, Stacey King. The Chicago Bulls faithful should have did better that night. So you get no argument from me. That's where I'll leave it at in that regard. So that's what happened in Chicago, guys. And then the last thing I'll talk about, the Miami Heat have set to place a statue of Dwayne Wade out there in front of their arena. What's the arena called these days now? The Kaseya Center. You know, it's had a bunch of different names. Last one with the crypto guy who went bankrupt. That's what they're calling it these days, guys. Go figure. Anyhow, but they're going to put a statue out in front of the arena for Dwayne Wade. And that's scheduled to take place 
later this year. Actually, it'll probably be before the season begins for the Miami Heat. So, kudos to the Miami Heat for giving Dwayne Wade their greatest player ever to wear that uniform. I understand. I get it. LeBron played in that uniform as well. But when you think Miami Heat, you think Dwayne Wade. Wonderful honor. Well-deserved. Well-earned. Hall of Famer. It's an honor that definitely he's worthy of. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Paul Pierce. I had to go there. But anyhow. So. All right, guys. So that is it for this episode. Had to get all this news out there. Coming up. Martin Luther King Day. We'll break down all the games for that day. We're coming close to the midpoint of the season, guys. So I'll probably do like my midseason awards. I'll also do a Knicks midseason report. I'll do that as well. And we're getting closer to February when we'll have my player spotlights for that month. For Black History Month, I like to do that as well. So a lot of stuff on tap, guys. So looking forward to it. All-star results will be coming soon. So we'll be bearing for that. So, oh, and speaking of all-star results, the second returns came back. Not much changed except for one thing. Uh, Trey Young overtook Dame Lillard. Now he's in second place as far as East guards go. So now you have Trey Young in there instead of Dame Lillard. So it'll be interesting to see how that flip-flops and so forth. Definitely be paying attention to that. Because right now you have Tyrese Holliburton. So it'll be a three-horse race. Tyrese Holliburton, Damian Lillard, and Trey Young. So we'll see how it shakes out when all the dust settles. Hopefully, Holliburton being sidelined doesn't penalize him too much in that regard. But I think it's probably a three-horse race as far as the guards in the East goes. In terms of the voting, that is. So we'll see what happens. All right, guys. So that is it for me. As always, I thank you for listening. Much appreciated. All your support, your listenership, much appreciated. And we'll talk soon. Take care. Hello, my peeps. Thank you for listening and supporting the All Things Basketball with GD podcast. You can find us on our website, allthingsbasketballwithgd.com. You could also email us at thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. Also, listen and watch us on YouTube, All Things Basketball GD. Hit the like button when you see our videos. Also, write a blurb about our show. You can listen to us on all podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Leave a review for us at Apple. On the website, you can support us by hitting the Buy Me a Coffee button, support on Anchor button, or donate on PayPal. You can also support us by our cash app, GD That Sports Dude. Once again, I thank you for listening and supporting the show, and do take care.